it's funny as a as a balding man as a balding man you don't want to do anything when you're you want to accent you don't want to accentuate this you don't want to accentuate this part you want to like flatten it out and you can deceive people you want to pull it back up here you want to pull back as much as possible but then you want to like flatten out this part to make it look like you're not balding part of me just wants to embrace it i might just shave my i just might full-on shave go all the way down before i actually start visibly where people are starting to be like bertov's going bald before i reach that point because i don't think i don't think i might be completely oblivious to how i'm perceived to the world but i don't think people are saying Bertoff's balding yet. I don't know, I could be wrong. So I'm thinking I might just shave it the whole way down. I might just go the whole way down now so people will never know I went bald. Because before I was shaving my head, I had a full head of hair and then I kept it shaved so you don't even know if I went bald or not. Why am I insecure about going bald? Because I think I think it's a reminder of your own mortality. I think part of it is it's a it's a thing you lose because people think, oh, well, you know you're going to die all the time, but you don't think about the things you slowly lose. That's the problem. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not, I, I've like almost died in car, car accidents every day on the 405. I'm a horrible driver. That doesn't freak me out. But what freaks, what freaks people out is the loss of things you used to be able to do and things you used to have. That's what loss is. You're afraid of loss most of the time in life. You're afraid of someone breaking up with you. You're afraid of losing a job. You're afraid of losing a loved one because you have to deal with their loss. You have to deal with the vacancy that they leave in your, their life. So you're afraid of change and you're also afraid of the idea that some things will leave you and you will never get them back. Hair is very obvious of that. I think it's also like, as a man, it's like a sign of like your, it's like a weakness thing. Like an impetus, impotency thing? Not impotency in the way of like you can't get hard, but maybe, maybe it is an, ex maybe it is a personification of the fact that you're losing dick strength. I don't know. But when you see a bald man, you start like, maybe not me, but you do, there is something there. I'm not, I'm, there is a there is a negative connotation with going bald, I think. So forgive me. I'm sorry if you're bald and you hear this and you're like, that's fucked up, dude. I think that's true. As a person that's going bald, I think that's true. I think I look significantly weaker as a balding man than I did when I was a man with a full head of hair. So when I reach that point, I'm going to shave my head down to the skin entirely. Maybe not to the skin, but like, leave a little bit. I have a friend who's probably watching this video who knows who I'm talking about. He goes the whole way down and he looks really good. So I'm going to get really fucking jacked when I go bald. When I start shaving my head, that is the only option you have. When you go bald as a, when you go bald as a man, you need to shave it the whole way down and then you need to get jacked or be super lean. I think going super lean could be a look in itself, but it's ideal to get jacked, to get huge and muscular, to maintain the idea that you are still a strong and powerful man. Is this toxic masculinity? Yeah, yeah it is, but it's inside of me. I'm not saying it's good. I am saying 
I'm saying it's bad. I'm saying it's a negative thing, but I'm saying it's the way I feel. And I'm saying I'm sorry for feeling like a bad person, but that's who I am. Um, okay, that wasn't even really what I wanted to get to, but I'm going bald, kind of. I think I've always kind of been bald though. That's the thing. I think I was born, okay, actually my brother, I think on this side, my brother, I, or no, maybe it was my friend, Jordan. One of them, I did something on a bus on the way back from a church camp, and one of them grabbed my hair from here, and it never grew back right. So, I think I got baldness from that time annoying somebody, and they ripped a little bit of a chunk out, but that's the balding. All the balding was done at that point in time. Is that true? Probably not. Is it something I tell myself that I believe? Maybe. It's hard to know what you believe. There's a layer of uh, self-denial that feels like the truth sometimes in your own brain that, uh, that you tell yourself a lot. And it feels like the truth, but I think like deep down, this is the weird thing. I think there's a deep understanding of oneself. And I think a lot of the time, a lot of the time, what causes you a lot of mental anguish and unrest in your brain is the denial, is that denial. It's that layer between you and your id, who you really are, the truth you know about yourself, but you maintain it because you feel like it's safe. It's a safety net. If I can keep this level of self-denial there, it keeps me safe, it keeps me warm, and it keeps me thinking that that falsehood might be the truth, and that there's hope that the truth might not really be true. But the truth is true. You know it, your brain knows it, so remove, this is what I had to do. You have to remove that wall. You have to remove that lie that you tell yourself every day and you'll feel better about it because it eats away at you. Because it's your brain saying, hey, why are you living life as if this falsehood was true? And the other half of your brain saying, what falsehood? What are you talking about? Um, for me, I think it took, I think it took, I have to be, this is really hard for me, but I will get depressed, I will get sad. I will not, not even like sad, but I will look at the world in a bleak way once I start living my life, thinking, letting what other people are doing, thinking, or saying affect the way I feel about myself. Once I start doing that, in my head, there's something that says, hey, you can control how people feel about you. You can control what people do. You can control what people think. You can do it if you just think hard enough, if you just manipulate hard enough, if you're just persuasive enough, you can control people and that will bring you peace. The truth is that I know underneath is the fact that I can't, I can't. So if I wanna maintain any source of like peace or contentment in this world, I have to put my self-worth in something that's within my control. Is that easy? No, but I have to. But once you get there and you're like, okay, I guess I don't care. I guess I don't care. I can't convince them to feel differently and I have to just not care. So whatever things I was looking forward to in life that them feeling a certain way would would give me, I have to learn that they're not going to be here and that's okay. For instance, okay, I'll start with, I'll start with, so I got, so today I got, I applied for two jobs, I interviewed, 
long interview processes last week for two different jobs. So this today, I was awaiting responses from both jobs. Didn't get either job. Got one LinkedIn message that said two different things. Said didn't get this one, didn't get that one. Uh, the recruiter was very nice. He was very cool. Uh, I told him I, it stung. I told him it stung. I told it hurt. And he said, sorry, dude. It felt good. It felt nice. I said, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. We'll get the next one. That felt good. Because you know what? You know what? Part of me wanted to blame the recruiter a little bit. Part of me was like, wonder what he said to them. I bet he fucked it up. There's a, there's a common denominator for this interview. It's me, but it's also him. He's also the common denominator between me and both of these companies that rejected me. Is it easier to blame him or myself? Him, for sure. So part of me's like, it's this guy. He's the problem. Had it been a different recruiter, I would have got the job. Not true. It's not true. I know it's not true. That is a reality. That is something I will lie to myself and I'll say, oh, I need a different recruiter. No, it's not. I got two different there and there was part of the job interviews that I was like, well both these both these places they misjudged me. It's their fault. Not true. Because I got denied by both. I got denied by both. So they both validate each other. Both of them looked at me and said, "No, not good enough." And I think they both have the same feedback. And this is the worst. This is the worst. Okay. Uh both had the same feedback and I'll get to that. I'm going to finish my point about this, but I could have looked at it and said, okay, well, what's wrong with the situation, me not getting the jobs? How is it someone else's fault? And sometimes it is someone else's fault, but I will tell you in this particular case, it was not. It was anyone's fault but my own. And it's not even like I didn't prepare well enough. I just didn't get the job. I just wasn't what they were looking for, okay? So once I just said, okay, I guess I have some blind spots in what I know about me and my career. There is something I'm overlooking because two places said we, were, we wanted someone more senior. I've been doing this for eight years. I've been doing it for a long time. Clearly, two companies saying you're not senior enough means that there is something I'm missing. There is something I'm lacking in my knowledge, in my ability. And I need to go figure out what that blind spot is before I start interviewing anywhere else. And that's the truth. That's the deep truth that I know. Nobody wanted to, nobody wants to interview me just to be like, fuck that guy, we're not going to give him the job. That doesn't happen. That's not true. I could tell myself that, but that's a lie. And that is only going to give me more mental anguish. What's really going to give me peace is saying, oh, I have a blind spot. Let's go figure it out. Let's take care of it. It's not the recruiter's fault. It's not the interviewer's fault. It's me. It's me. It's the guy being interviewed. There's something I don't know. So I got to work on that and I'm going to fix that. The other thing about that, the other thing about this is, this is what I, th I remember I got, so I got canned at my first job. Um, I got let go. I don't want to say I got canned. It's fun to say you got fired. It's fun to say you got canned. But if I'm being honest, oh, I'm going to turn this. My battery went out. But if I'm being honest, I didn't get canned. I got let go. I got I got reducted. It was a staffing reduction is what they said. So they the guy also said he said when the guy that was firing me, he started crying. I remember that. He started crying. He was like tearing up. And I was like, dude, you don't gotta do that. I was I didn't really like the job at that point in time anyway. I'd kind of done everything I could there. I was getting bored of it. There's better jobs that were probably gonna pay me more, and this was the Incentive I needed to just go on and move on to something bigger and better. So I'm getting fired and I'm kind of like, whoa, this is it. 
I had been expecting to get fired for so long because it was my first job. I was insecure about what I did and how well I could do it. So the whole time, every time I made a mistake, I was always like, this is it, I'm getting fired. And then I didn't get fired for so long that I thought, oh, I guess I don't get fired. And then it happened. I was like, oh shit, it happened. I remember when I was worried about this. It had been so long and I kept worrying about it until eventually you're like, I guess it's not happening. And then it does happening. It does happening. Slow down, take a breath. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I'm in the room and they're firing me and I'm not that emotionally affected by it. I'm more just kind of like, wow, this is crazy. I'm like getting fired right now. And the guy starts tearing up and I just I was I just thought, oh, Jeff, you don't got to do. I and he granted the guy had to fire 20% of the company that day in person to their faces. That can't be fun. That's got to, you know. That's got to suck. But he starts like crying. I'm like, "Dude, save save your tears for the other people. I'll be fine. I'm fine. I'm 24. I'm going to go home and watch Interstellar. I'm going to finish Interstellar and like not do and then they say, "Hey, well, we need you until the end of the week to tie up anything, which is always funny when they tell people that, like, hey, you know, so Friday will be your last day, um, so we can take care, like, you're not gonna do anything, you're not, if you got canned, you're, well, I think I did some, like, due diligence, because I did, I wasn't bitter toward the company at all, or anything, I'd gotten paid, they gave me my first job, I was nothing but loyal, but rest assured, I wasn't gonna do shit, I wasn't going to do anything, I was not going to do any work for them, I think they knew that, I think they were just putting you on payroll, until Friday, just in case there is anything, any information or anything. But they understand you're not going to be doing any work. But it was funny to watch the guy cry. I'm like, dude, you don't. Got, I don't know if those are performative tears or not. We have a little bit of a relationship, but you don't got to cry for me, Argentina. I do not care. I am fine. I'll be good. This is, I, yeah. Anyway, another, another, the thing they always, they said, and I hear this all the time. When people say, it's nothing personal. It's like, I know. I know it's nothing personal. I know it's not. I never did anything to you. And if it was personal, that would hurt me less. If someone said, listen, um, it's none of your your professional capabilities. You're very, you're not inept at your job. We think you do a really great job here. The thing is, we think your personality is shit. I wouldn't, I'd be like, oh, great. That makes me feel better. Because I'm not insecure about my personality. My personality is my personality. And I don't feel two ways about it. If they just said, hey, it's personal. We don't really like your personality. People find you weird. People, You make people uncomfortable. That wouldn't hurt me. I wouldn't walk away hurt. I'd be like, great. I'm sorry. I never wanted to make anyone uncomfortable. And I'm sorry I did for so long. I'm moving on with my life. But when they say it's nothing personal, what they're saying is it's nothing personal. It's just that professionally, you're not good enough at your job. We think you're dumb. We think you're incapable. You're not delivering. You're not doing what we wanted you to do. You didn't, you didn't, your, your best was not good enough. I'm like, tell me it's personal. Tell me that you thought I was going to fuck your wife. Tell me that. Tell me that, oh, I thought maybe... You feel threatening to me. You feel, you know, I thought maybe one day at some point in time you might fuck my wife and that is why I'm firing you. That would make me feel good. I ain't fucking nobody's wife. But am I not great at my job? Am I a little bit insecure about how well and how efficient I am at my job? Yeah. That's, so it's funny they say it's nothing personal. And as a way of being like, feel better. Feel better about this situation because it's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. I'm like, I wish it was personal. I'm not insecure about my personality. Am I insecure about my abilities? Yeah, 
Is anyone insecure about their personality? Probably. I don't know. Tell me it's personal. Anyway, I had more, uh, let's see if I can find. One is uh, more conversations with, oh, I remember, okay. So, Zach and I were talking. What, what are people doing? When pe people ask me, okay, you make videos. You, uh, you know, you've done the podcast. You've, you know, you play guitar. And you, uh, well, let's, let's leave it at the podcast. Let's leave it at the videos. Let's leave it at the YouTube channel, the basketball YouTube channel that I do. People will be like, wow, like you, you do all that. And then people, what people, this is like the biggest thing. I love this about people. They'll give me this compliment. They're like, wow, you're always like doing something. It's crazy how much you've done. They're like, wow, you just like keep doing stuff. And it's, it's really a nice thing. It feels good to me when they say that, but it is kind of funny because really what they're saying is like, You've been so unsuccessful for so long. It I find it so interesting how unsuccessful you've been and how you're still doing it. I can't believe that you haven't just quit doing things because of the sheer amount of things you've done and been unsuccessful at. I can't believe it. So when I hear that, they're really they're paying me a compliment because I think they see that as uh, perseverance and they think it's interesting and they think it's cool. That's what it is. They think it's interesting and they think it's cool. Uh, and more like psychopathic. It's like, you're supposed to fail and then just kind of realize that that wasn't for you. Anyway. I, yeah. The thing we were talking, Zach and I were talking about, cause we're always, he's out doing stand up every night, you know, or he's doing something. He's editing somebody's podcast. He's getting out there and he's doing things. And we were talking about this and we're like, well, what is everyone else doing? And this is no judgment, no judgment, but we're just curious. We're like, what are you doing? You're, you always say, wow, it's cool that you do this. You keep doing this. And they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing these things? And my question is, what are you doing? There is nothing to do. There is nothing to do with your time. You can only go out to dinner. You can only go to the movies. You can only go to the beach. You can only surf. You can only ride bikes so much. Don't you have another pursuit? Don't you have something else you want to try to do? Something else you want to try to grow? Some other plan, some other goal, some other type of achievement that you're trying to get to? Some other journey you're trying to create? It's not even that. Just those things, just those small things. Like what is your journey? What are these things you're trying to do? What are these places you're trying to go? What are the goals so that you can try to get to the goal and then go back and appreciate the journey to the goal even though you never got to the goal? What are these things? What are you doing? And Zach said he was talking to these people at a Halloween party and they said, yeah, usually I go to bed at nine because after work, what are you gonna do? You know, watch some Netflix and then you eat, you watch a little Netflix and you go to bed. Like that's, yes, I understand that. I understand that sentiment. Sometimes all I want to do is go to bed. I want to watch an episode of Succession and then I want to just lay in bed, smoke weed, and fall asleep. You can't do that. You can't live your life like that. You will go crazy. You need to do something. So I looked back in hindsight and when I used to do stand-up, I quit doing stand-up and I would think about doing mics and I didn't really like doing stand-up so that was one reason I quit it's neither here nor there but going to these mics I would look back on going to those mics and I would think 
oh, what a waste of time, <laughs> okay? What a waste of time, because what's happening there? You should be doing a YouTube video that someone will actually see. Because these mics, nobody would really come to them other than other comedians. The other comedians would go outside and smoke. And it was really a thought that I had that was, what was to be gained by you going up there for five minutes? What was to be gained tonight? What did you gain from writing those jokes and performing there for five minutes, but waiting three hours for the mic for your turn to go, sitting through an open mic for three hours. You spent three hours of your time for five minutes on stage. And I would look back on this negatively. I would think like, wow, what a waste of time. But recently, I've realized that you need to fill your day with things. This is a part of your life. You need to go to an open mic, even if it is five minutes. You need to have done something. You need to have left your house and tried something. Maybe you went to an open mic, maybe it was a bucket list, and you didn't even get up. Maybe by the end of the night, they didn't even draw your name. Maybe you didn't even get up, but you still went out and you did something. Obviously, don't do this every night. Don't waste your time every night, but you still got out. You still filled your day with stuff. My point being is life is long. There are a lot of slots. There are a lot of slots throughout the day. There are tons of slots throughout the day that you need of like hour blocks that you need to fill. Fill it with something. Fill it with a journey. Fill it with anything. Fill it with an experience. I watched this video. It was a Louis C.K. video after he'd won the Moth Award, the Moth, whatever the award is for the Moth, like Story of the Year, and he tells a story, and one thing he says in the story is, well, at the end of it, his point being, all you have is your experiences. All you have are your stories in life. Money comes and goes. All you have are your stories. You fill your life with that, and they are yours. They are only yours. Everything you experience is entirely yours. Maybe you were there with another person, but... Their experience was different than yours. They perceived the situation different than you did. They were at a different angle. So all you really have are your stories. All you really have are your journeys. So sometimes when you think, what's the point? What's the point of going to that open mic? Even if you're not a performer, you got nothing to do. You've already done everything you wanted for the day. You know you're not going to work on any other side projects. Maybe you don't have any other side projects. Go to that open mic. It may inspire something in you, especially if you're depressed. If you're very depressed and you don't really have the energy to do anything, nothing inspires you, you're not feeling particularly passionate about anything, go do something. Go waste some time. Go out and go waste some time somewhere. Try to find inspiration somewhere. That's really what it is. Try to go find inspiration somewhere, anywhere, literally anywhere. Go do something and see what see what happens. Because you come back and you say, wow, I just wasted a bunch of time. If you were depressed, if you were passionless, what were you doing? What were you doing anyway? You weren't doing anything. You were just sitting at home, being passionless, being desperate, looking for something, thinking about festering on some problems you had. Go out and have an experience. Go waste some time. Go waste some time. Go have an experience. Go do something. Put yourself out there every day. Um, and maybe you'll have a story because that's important. I think it's really important. Um, okay, yeah, the, the other thing was I wanted to bring up is like money, it's so, money is not everything. And this is so cliche, but money is, it's money is everything until you have enough of it. Money is everything until you have enough. When you don't have enough, when you have to go without, when there are things in your life where you wish, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, then money is everything. But once you get to the point where you don't really want for anything, once you, the lifestyle you want, I am at, because I've thought about this, I am at the lifestyle I want. I am good. I have my lifestyle. I do 
do not want any more, I don't want any less. Any more would be waste. If I had a better car, I drive a Honda, I drive a 2012 Honda. I do not want a better car. I like my Honda. Anything better than the Honda is just waste. I live the lifestyle that I want to live. I don't want a better job. I have no interest in a better job. I want more time on my hands. That's what I want. That is all I want is a little more time on my hands. And even if that, I don't want too much more time on my hands. I like what I'm doing. And I think that's important. I think we don't really think about that that much is that money, even the thought of, oh, well, I'm going to get a job that pays really well so I can save money so I don't have to work in the future. I think that's kind of stupid because the future is not guaranteed. And anyway, why are you doing this? Because you end up being a slave to that money. You, be, you end up being a slave to your future free time and the life you want. You end up being a slave to the lifestyle that you think that you want because you work hard in the present because you think, oh, the future will be better. I don't think that's true. Just take your time and spend it the way you want. Spend every day the way you want. Money is not everything. Money will definitely not make you happy and money will make you a slave. Money will make you a slave. There, and that, I've seen that happen a lot. Even if, uh, even you think, well, I'm saving. I'm a slave to my money, but I'm saving. No. Security will make you a slave. Being a slave to financial security and not wanting for anything will make you a slave, for sure, if that makes sense. Being a slave, it's fear, because when you're seeking that security, when you're seeking money in the bank, you are a slave to that. You're seeking this situation that makes it so you will not have anxiety and you will not fear the future. You will always fear the future. You will never have enough money to not fear the future. So spend your time the way you want to and have confidence in yourself that you can, uh, you can get out of any situation, no matter how much money you have in the, have, have or don't have in the bank. I think that's important. Um, believe in your believe in yourself and don't become a slave to money but also understand if you don't have enough money if you're going without if you can't eat can't have a roof over your head don't have enough money to buy personal space then money is everything money is everything until you have what you need um this is real stupid but i remember when I was in eighth grade, the summer between eighth and ninth grade, I remember playing Tony Hawk. It was just like a summer day playing Tony Hawk. Just, or yeah, and I was thinking about my entire eighth grade year. I had a very weird eighth grade year. I'm not even gonna get into why, it wasn't even weird, but it was very different from seventh and ninth grade. Seventh and ninth grade, about hit the same. Hung out with the same people, but eighth grade was a completely different year with a lot of different people coming into my life and a lot of different influences. It felt different. And I remember playing Tony Hawk and processing my thoughts. And that is something I will never take away. I will always remember. Being able to, because when you're in the situation, when you're in eighth grade, you're very emotional. I'm very emotional now. So when you're thinking about your problems and you're thinking about your relationships, when you're in it and you're very emotional, it's not going to help you. I don't think so. You're not processing things when you're still feeling the emotions from the circumstances and the situations you were in. When I was playing Tony Hawk, and at this point I'm going into ninth grade, eighth grade is past, I'm thinking about eighth grade, but I'm not thinking about it in an emotional sense. And playing Tony Hawk is giving me the ability to think through it in a way that doesn't let me fester on my emotions. It's letting me experience and it's letting me think in a way that keeps me from experiencing it, experiencing it emotionally, but lets me just look back at past events in a uh, objective way because I'm not feeling it. I'm not 
letting my molecular affect my physical body. I'm just playing Tony Hawk and thinking about the situations that happened. And I remember thinking, I'm in eighth grade, and I'm in eighth grade, and I remember thinking, oh, I think I'm processing things. I think I'm playing Tony Hawk and I'm processing this last year. On a Sunday afternoon, I'm processing what that last year was like. Um, and I've experienced this later in life and it usually happens when I'm driving a car on the interstate. If I'm driving a car in traffic, I get, it does not, it is not gonna do what that does. But when I am driving a car on the interstate, I can start processing things. For whatever reason, I have a hard time getting uh, emotionally affected in the car. But when I start driving a car on the freeway and I start going fast and I'm seeing the same, the same, the same, the same for whatever reason, my, uh, what is the thing that is my motor skills, my, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination and same thing, driving a car, Tony Hawk, same, whatever. That needing to be focused on something else and letting whatever part of a, your brain doesn't need to be focused on driving, just go. Or playing Tony Hawk, just go, is, uh, is really helpful. So when you do find that, when you do find that thing that, you know, <laughs> lets your brain just kind of run wild and figure out what everything meant to you, each individual event, and look at it objectively. Um, yeah, let it do that. I'm gonna stop this and start it. One sec. Ugh, yeah, but anyway, just like going going back to the, uh, accept responsibility, accept responsibility uh, in every situation. Look at the situation for what it is. And if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling self-righteous, or you're feeling sad, just take a step back and look at the situation for what it is and take responsibility for it. If you find yourself pointing out the flaws in others, that's not gonna help you. It's just not. But I do it all the time. I'll do it, I'll wrestle with it, and I'll think, no, it's someone else's fault. And I'm mad. I'm mad at this person. I'm self-righteous, I'm angry. Someone else is the problem, and I'm angry. If I'm angry, no one's the problem. It's me. It's there, for sure. It's never not, but I'm like, it's not. I'm so angry because of this person. It's their fault. Then I'm so mad. Then I'm so angry. And there's no way that any reason I'm mad is my own fault. And then eventually, like, days, hours, weeks later, I get to the point where I'm like, now, part of it's, you know, Part of it was me, part of it was me. And then, it's gone, it's gone. All right, that was good, that was good. We're good.